0: Hey everyone! Welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel. I am your host, Dallas.
1: I'm Alexis, and I'm Anne.
0: And you have stumbled upon us, dear listener. I'm assuming everyone, this is your first time. There are no repeat listeners. You don't have um, this is week two of our Pride Month coverage. So, all month long, we will be covering comic books that highlight and put front and center LGBTQ individuals and their stories. Last week, we covered Spinning by Tilly Walden. And this week, we are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy by Al Ewing and a number of different artists. Pretty excited about it.
2: Yeah. It was a good one. It snuck up on me. You got me good. <laughs>
0: So did you just expect to not like it?
2: Well, no. I just, I've never, ever read a Guardians of the Galaxy comic before. So I had, like, no, not a single place to stand and jump off of, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was great. It was great.
1: Ooh, see, that's the part I'm so interested to dive into, because there's a lot in this run that plays on some of the other runs. Like, there's everything that happens with, like, Phyla and Moondragon comes from mm-hmm. either Kate's run or from the DNA run. Mm-hmm. DNA, Yeah, and it's just so i'm excited to get into this 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 is such a great run
0: it was and it was also fun to read the last section without reading any Mm tie-ins because i read all of last annihilation when it happened and so this time just reading the important bits i was like we definitely missing some stuff but we here for the vibes like you you tweeted about my favorite moment when it was like we have to get this guy and then like he does something cool in another issue but because we didn't read that it's just Eddie's dead. <laughs> moving on. I was going
2: to I was going to ask. I was like I feel like I was missing pieces of that. So you might have to like fill me in at the end there, yeah, but
0: we can get there. Love it. Love but it. But first Anne, do you want to talk a little bit about Al Ewing's run? Maybe like a quick rundown of what happened, mm-hmm. how you feel about the book, just Fill the people in on what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, so absolutely. So Al Ewing's book is the um. This run takes over, I believe, right after Kate's run and en- run ended, and the Guardians, which at this point are basically just the movie Guardians plus Philo Vale and Moon Dragon, who are heroes from another dimension. Um, they're just kind of hanging out, living their best life. Um, Peter Quill is basically like, I'm, I'm okay. I'm content just chilling for a while and I'm going to be with Gamora who I really like and maybe love. I'm not sure. I don't know if they said it in the book or not, so I can't be specific. And then, um, they find out there's a galaxy that needs guarding and Peter and Rocket are the only two who go to answer that call and bad things happen to Peter in that. And the guardians now have to figure out Where do we stand? Are we okay with each other still? And what does the galaxy need us to be? And it's a story about relationships, love, familiar bonds, and just a lot of badass gays in space. It was a lot of fun. And if you're a big Guardians of the Galaxy fan, if you like the DNA run, if you love the Cates run, um, there's going to be so much here that's just fan service for you and fills in so many loose gaps. Like, one of my favorite minis of all time is the Thanos Imperative, which I would love to read someday. I think it's the best piece of cosmic Marvel literature out there. It's just so wacky and bizarre. The Cancerverse is such a crazy concept. And there's a... (laughs) I say the words Galactus Engine, and that means a lot to me, and it's so, so cool to see. Um, But there's stuff that comes from that, and you see the emotional fallout of Richard Ryder's sacrifice in that and Peter Quill's sacrifice in that and just it gets so deep into the relationships these characters have and it's nice to see them escape um basically the the MCU they've been stuck in for the last I want to say seven or eight years of their publication and it's nice to feel like these characters get to be on their own again and be their own thing so yeah it was lots and lots of fun i I love seeing Star-Lord being Star-Lord again.
0: This run is a super big breath of fresh air. Because, mm-hmm. like, I'm a huge fan of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I will admit, fake fan, though, I have not read the D&A run. Um, so, Alexis, there's a really seminal run of Guardians of the Galaxy right. well, from, before, too. from before the movies. <laughs> I started with Bendis's run. Um, for like the 10 issues or whatever that was out before the movie came out. And then I've read everything since. And you're right. It, it is fun to see, because I've read the original Annihilation, so I've met a lot of mm-hmm. these characters outside of Bendis and outside of the MCU. And so it's fun to see them come back, but also find new ways to be interesting. So like, Lex, this being your first Guardians, but... Having watched the Guardians movies, what did you think of this run?
2: Um, as someone who, like, I genuinely will say, like, I loved the Guardians movies. Watching those, I always thought they were super fun. They were quirky. They're just kind of out there. Um, I feel like this comic had a way of matching that, if that makes sense. Like, it still had very serious moments and very real problems. But you can't help but not think that Rocket in a little suit and a little fedora is not the funniest thing you've ever seen in your entire life. When he's literally a super genius solving a murder in like 0.5 seconds. Greatest thing I've ever read. And it very much matches the vibe of like, oh yeah, this is the Guardians of the Galaxy. They're all kooks. It's great. I loved it. It was funny.
0: I think post MCU and post Jonathan Hickman, The Guardians have become the family that the Avengers used to be.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Like, I don't think I would describe the Avengers as a familial team anymore. But, like, the Guardians of the Galaxy are a found family. They have these sticky interpersonal relationships. And I think this run did such a great job of putting that in the forefront. Like, the threats were still cosmic and huge and crazy. But, like, really there was so much drama and so much soap opera that was happening that made this a very fun, very queer time.
1: Very queer. I love it. (laughs) And it's just the, the aspects of being queer about it. I like how it's just, it's such a normal thing in this comic. It's like being the, the queer characters weren't like the, the focal point, the selling point of the comic, but all the relationships are all at the forefront Um. I love Phyla Vale and Moondragon so much and seeing them come through the obstacles they come through in the story. It's so, so interesting because you don't get a lot of times in comics where you're, um, your lover kind of m- <laughs> melds souls with another person who is exactly like her, but lost you. That's definitely a situation that only the Guardians could get into. And just seeing characters like, Hercules, who's just so confident in his own sexuality, he's like, I will kiss whoever I want in the middle of the battlefield, you know, consentingly, and I'm going to have a fun time. And that's so cool. And I love, love all the, it's never confirmed, but I think it's so, so obvious, all the the hints we get about Gamora, Nova, and Peter Quill, and their literal love triangle. As in, most love triangles, they're more like a a love-like dot because there's three people but they're both attracted to the same person this one it feels like everyone's perfectly and equally attracted to the other one and i love it 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 feels like it's the thruple that gene scott and logan should want to be yeah yeah <laughs> except the work was put into this one
0: um i loved hercules
3: oh in my this. gosh same the,
0: the page where he talks about like his masculinity was one of my favorite things mm-hmm. I've read because like it just it feels really good to see like this big burly man that is a soft guy because like I'm a big guy but I feel like I'm not a I'm not as scary as I look like I always see when I'm walking down the <laughs> street people are always scary. like scary
2: what the hell
0: <laughs> But like like I'm I'm a big person right yeah. and I yeah. see that like that makes an impact on people and so it was really fun to read someone who was very heroic someone that like I wanted to be like every time he was on the page I was like oh I want to be just like you I want to just ooze everything that you're oozing mm-hmm. and that was very fun I feel like this book is was so good at providing people with characters that you imprint on mm-hmm. that you're like I want to be just like them when I grow up you know mm-hmm. It's it's wonderful.
1: Mm-hmm. God, yeah, Hercules is such a fit for you. You oh, are more than halfway goodness. there. That is that's awesome.
0: Just got to find a little twink. <laughs> 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 Just kidding. I found a very aggressive little woman, and that's the other that's the sure. other side of that dynamic. That's true. If you're a big burly awesome. man, you got two options: you find a little twink, or you find a very bossy little woman.
2: Mm-hmm. She's gonna barge through that
1: door and just She's gonna
0: break down the door and be like,
1: "What are you talking about? <laughs> Did you just call me a little twink? Hold up, <laughs> maybe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, oh,
1: Lexi. Which characters? Because um, there's a lot of characters in this book that aren't in the movies. Are mm-hmm. which one of those stood out to you the most?
2: Ah, oh, I definitely. Oh, my goodness. Is her name Moon Dragon? Is that her name? Okay. I don't know what that, like, whole soul bonding, like, that was just so fascinating to me. And I was like, this is very interesting (laughs) in the aftermath. Um, And, like, her relationship with her wife, like, especially in the scene, like, right after their whole coming together as the same person, Mm -hmm. but two different, like, same body, whatever. Um, Like, the mental conversation that she has with her wife afterwards where her wife is like, I literally hate you. Don't ever talk to me again. I was like, yeah, that tracks. That makes sense. <laughs> I, w- I understand where she's coming from. <laughs> like, I don't blame her for being grumpy that she now has two wives for the price of one
1: in the same head. but <laughs> And one has trauma. One, one has a, a lot of trauma. trauma.
0: <laughs> and also it just feels like this cool sci-fi way of exploring the fact that Things can happen to you that will change Mm -hmm. you post-marriage. Yeah. You know, like, you're not going to soul bond with an alternate reality version of you that has trauma. But, like, you might...
2: But you might go to therapy and dig up childhood
0: trauma. Yeah, you might dig up some trauma you didn't, you weren't aware of. Something might happen to you that changes the kind of person you are. And Mm -hmm. a big part of marriage is keeping up with those punches, you know, like... Watching this person change in real time, watching yourself change in real time, and still deciding to love each other and work together. And I think comic books, and specifically superhero comics, are so good at making real world problems external and exciting. You know, like put a a thing of sci-fi paint on top of it, which I loved. And this run felt especially good at.
1: Oh, yeah. Just, i'm just thinking about that scene i love that that whole page where it's just like there are two faces the dialogue happening in the middle i like to think there's moments where these two just stop talking to everyone and just stare at each other for a second and everyone in the room is just kind of like they're, they're fighting again you can't I, I i i know you're fighting again and it's making me so uncomfortable
0: that's just how lesbians are and y'all are a mystical <laughs> g- group of creatures
1: <laughs> I, f- I forgot that lesbian power of telepathy that we have you're like
0: vegans you come with powers <laughs>
1: <laughs> the moment i changed my pronouns to she her i got a knock on the door it's like here's your here's your special powers upgrade
0: <laughs> welcome to uh the worldwide lesbian web and they plugged the chip into the back of you and it was like what? and it was just a bunch of buff women walking through your head and it's like we're all watching this all the time <laughs> 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 yes
1: yes Yes. now my twitter fee makes a lot more sense uh, doesn't it is that just
0: is that just ruby rose from orange is the new black (laughs) (laughs) over and over and over and over again never met a woman that doesn't get squirrely looking at that woman
1: one how dare you (laughs) two we are more than just a stereotype three you're totally fucking correct that John Listen. Wick Two is the best John Wick.
0: Listen <laughs> for Ruby a Ro- reason. <laughs> Ruby Rose looks you with her little undercut, and I've never seen a woman that wasn't like, Hi. "Do we need men? Do we technically need men?
1: No, we don't. No, the the, the answer is no." Best best line from that Wonder Woman movie. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that's really cool that you connected with Moon Dragon Dallas. You said your favorite character is Hercules. Um, I'm a sucker for Phyla, of course, Mm -hmm. but also, um, I have such a soft spot for Avril Kincaid. I wish we got to see more of her here. Um, she was such a little known character before, like, um, she made a big sacrifice play in Secret of, Secret Empire, and I got really upset because I thought she was so cool that they just axed her immediately, but I'm so glad they brought her back, and I hope that we get to see her some more, but I think my standout character personally for this run is the one that's always been for Guardians, and it was before the movie came out, and that's Star-Lord. I was, I've always been such a huge Star-Lord fan, and that's crazy, because when I was saying that before, um, no one knew who Star-Lord was. I was like, I, I'm one of those people's like, I knew who Star-Lord was before it was cool. I was wearing that shirt back in, like, 2011, 2012. I'm like, I only saw pictures of him and. Um, Art from him from Annihilation, but that costume he had back then was more than enough to make my high school brain be like, this is the coolest motherfucker who's ever lived in the history of the universe. And I (laughs) I was realizing reading this book again, I have a thing for characters who start off as really awesome heroes, have a big tragedy happen to them, and have to work their way back up through that. That's just something that calls to me because that happened to Aquaman, that happened to Carol, and it happened to Star-Lord too. And I love Ewing diving into his origins and actually expanding upon his earlier days, which is something that since Bendis took over, they've just been kind of happy to ignore. And they're just like, we're just going to wing it from here. No one knows who he is anyway. We'll just make stuff up as we go. And some of that stuff's fun. Like, I like the relationship with um he has with Spartax and his sister and his father. That's all fun. But it's really cool to see mythologies get dredged out and like built upon and i think ewing does such a great job with that and like immortal hulk he does such a great job with it here and seeing peter just evolve as a character in terms of ma- maturity responsibility to himself and others and just figuring out who he wants to be through this run was just so so amazing i think this is the best thing that's been done with him since 2008 so it's it was just really great to see
0: one Immortal Hulk, my beloved. What T- I say? Two. <laughs> no, What'd you just said you just said Immortal Hulk, and I okay, went. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> my beloved. And then two, Star Lord whips in this, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and the single issue of Star Lord in the alternate reality for two hundred yeah. years, becoming a star god. Incredible, Chef's I... kiss. It's criminal. We don't have know what he is doing right now.
2: That's true. I like audibly said, I was like, um, I said out loud, I was like, am I really about to read a whole Guardians of the Galaxy where one of the, my favorite characters is deceased in the first issue? <laughs> I was like, what the shit? What is this? <laughs> and it took a whole eight issues for that to get solved. I was like, what?
0: But wasn't it worth it? Yes.
2: Yes. It was. And his
0: his new look is so sick with yeah. the beard and yeah. the uh, yeah the
2: scruff and like the yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: he looks rad as hell. Oh, I
2: love a I love God. a rough looking man.
0: <laughs> He's so rad. <laughs> I the other side of my Hercules love this Marvel Boy was so fun. Like I've been on a big Marvel Boy kick lately. I mean, my Grant Morrison. Beloved Marvel Boy, but like psychedelic spit, exploding fingernails, Love super it. spy with like liquid melting guns. It's dope. He was so fun. And this was a kind of Marvel Boy that, like, while I like him in Gillen's Young Avengers, he felt trippy and spacey in this in a way that he doesn't as much in that run, which made me really happy. Like, he was just such a natural fit for the Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: Yeah. Oh, Lexi, go.
2: Sorry, I was just going to say something very funny about his uh, explosive nails. You know the scene where he, like, flicks them off? I'm sure he does that quite often. But, like, the first time he did it, as someone who used to have very long acrylic nails, the shivers that that sent down my spine, I was like, oh, shit, that hurt. I know that hurt. And he probably went home and cried after. I, like, I had to put the book down. I was like, I cannot... I cannot. This is the worst type of body horror that ever existed is him flicking his fingernails off because you don't know pain until you snag an acrylic nail on something and it comes off dead.
0: You just know that Hercules like helps him bandage his fingers. Oh, 100 percent.
1: 100 percent. Because that shit hurts. (laughs) Shit (laughs) hurted. It's like it looked cool, but my soul got sucked at my
2: fingertips. Instantly gone. Instantly gone.
1: Uh I I love that Doom Patrol looking motherfucker. He's he's so much fun.
0: <laughs> he does rule. What did we think of the Olympians as villains for this?
1: It's really refreshing to see the Guardians fight someone that feel like they're outside their um their wheelhouse. Because mm-hmm. I've seen them for the last so many years, they're like, We're gonna fight the Badoon, we're gonna fight the Chitari, we're gonna fight the Skrulls, we're gonna fight ex alien race of the week because we we hate everybody equally <laughs> and it's like that okay that's that's fun but what else they don't they've never really felt like superheroes before they felt like almost like a pest control team where they're just like we're going to stop the invasion of the week and it's nice to see them actually have to confront something that does feel like an actual threat to the galaxy and does feel like this like You should call the Avengers. You should call literally anyone because there's, I've never seen evidence that you can handle something like this, but they still managed to handle it. I think that's the coolest thing about them.
2: I also feel like they did it in a way, though, that they were like, oh shit, can we do this? Like, you kind of were unsure the whole time, but like, are they really pulling this off or is this just a big fashion show that's going on? And it's a little bit of both, but I feel like that's very true to their characters of the fake it till you make it. And then when you make it, somebody dies. (laughs) And then Lexi cries about it for 20 minutes.
0: (laughs) Was Do you feel like Star-Lord's death in this was one of the more impactful deaths that you've read so far in comics?
2: Probably, especially the aftermath of like, I was so taken aback when Gamora full-on backhanded Rocket. I was like, oh, oh, she did. She really did it. And it it was terrifying and she literally was like I'm gonna kill this I'm gonna kill this rat he's dead
0: the drama of the guardians splitting up and hunting <laughs> oh, yeah. each other I was like each other.
1: <laughs> just oh, family God. things you know and I love how they executed that the decision to make um, Rockets return all the all the dialogue is just stripped away and everyone's just saying I am Groot because you yeah. see it from oh. Groot's perspective and you're like wow you can really tell how the emotion carries and it's the artist, I think it was um Juan something for that issue, but it was so so spectacular how all those every single thought was portrayed. I didn't need the words; it was it was beautiful. It's horrifying. Second time through, so <laughs> the first time through definitely <laughs> horrifying. Second time through, you're like, this is this is literature. This is craftsmanship. Yes.
2: <laughs> this has a little bit of spice that we need. Mm-hmm.
1: Like I, but I, I also
2: I expect- exactly, but I also think that it's hilarious how. Groot has a full inner monologue I thought that was so funny too I'm sure that's normal like I'm sure that's come up before that I just don't know about but like how everybody else was like I am and he like has a full inner monologue of what's going on that entire
1: time I was like this is interesting I liked seeing Groot as an intellectual in his own mind yeah and then oh my god I think it's the smartest way I've seen any antagonist taken care of is getting a god of language trapped inside Groot's head because it's just a cyclical yep. cycle. And I'm just like, that's the s- funniest thing that's ever happened in can the imagine. history of the cosmos. It'd be so frustrating.
0: <laughs> you can, uh, Al Ewing is someone who can't help but make every book he writes be a sequel of the book he was just writing before, mm-hmm. you know? And you can see a little bit in this that he's about to write Defenders, which is- So, about like the comic craft, like just that thing of uh, the god of language getting stuck in the literal words of the comic of I Am Groot, or Marvel or Marvel Boy being like drawn into place as he's running through the comic book, you know, or when he invades the building, you can see the panels of the building, but that he's like coming out from, or even just. Externals or whatever those guys were that showed up on um
1: Oh the pr- progenitors?
0: Progenitors, that's what they were.
1: Yeah. One
0: of one of those is a bad guy in Defenders too that had the cyan yellow um magenta and black, the four colors of comics on his face. I was like, Oh, oh, you're about to do a very cool book next. And so reading this a second time, I could really see that. Yeah. But
1: and and this book itself was a a sequel because all the god stuff that happened in avengers like um what was it long way home or no way home or something like that
0: it's so good yeah and yeah and he worked with hercules in avengers no surrender and no way home and... and
1: and rocket too in that last one
0: yeah he's just he's real good al ewing is a very talented comic creator and, but I do want to shine a little bit on Juan Cabal, the artist for the majority of this yes. run. Mm-hmm. Um, what did we think of the artwork from Juan Cabal? We touched a little bit on how great the character acting was. Um, something that I realized, I was listening to an interview with Brian K. Vaughan recently, where he said he can never change the dialogue after he gets the art back from Fiona because she draws the characters saying those words so perfectly and reacting to exactly what they were supposed to say so perfectly that he can't tweak it after. And it felt that way with this one cabal art was like everyone was just exuding all the emotions that were coming from their dialogue. You could you could see the story and you could see the emotions told through the artwork in a way that the words never quite could. Because like, what do you say in a situation where a beloved family member just died and the whole room is reacting to it. Right. It's, it's all about body language. It's all about reactions. And Wonka ball carried this so well.
1: Oh yeah. And not just, not just emotions. I was talking a little bit on Twitter earlier about how I was really struck by some of the layouts and some of the paneling, like um the issue where um, the two moon dragons are fighting each other. Those pages where it's like, if you look at it from both sides, it's, parallel and it follows a very um <laughs> cyclical tr- cyclical sick i fuck it <laughs> cyclical. thank you a very cyclical track and um <laughs> i can't get over that i can't recover the episode's over um and it's paneled like um faces of the moon and stuff like that i thought that was so very clever until the these conflicting patterns eventually merge at the same time the characters do that was very smart. I also loved everything that happened with um, Peter Quill and that solo issue. I thought that was very smartly um, paneled as well to give you that very uh, somehow alien in a book about aliens vibe. And I also, um, there was another one. The, I loved, loved when Peter shot um, the black hole bullet at um, Zeus that last time. And you're like... This is really high concept sci-fi. And I can tell because the bullets firing its way through space and time and through all these crazy kaleidoscope murals as it goes on its very nonlinear path. And it was, it was just so neat. So, so fascinating.
2: I was going to say, I think one of my favorite specific things about like the way that the characters were drawn um, and you see kind of like more concentrated in the beginning, um, specifically, I'll use Gamora as an example of something. She's kind of the one that jumped out at me. Um, But at the very beginning, like, when she's – her emotions and her life are a little bit happier. They're more normal to her. Like, her outfits and the way that she, like, is portrayed is very – like, you can tell. Like, you can tell that she, like, loves her life. You can tell that she's really happy with what's going on. But as soon as Peter dies, she takes on, like, a whole new look to her character. Like, she's very – I don't want to say steampunk cause it's not quite there, but like kind of like doomsday. She's got the big old shoulder pads, like spikes. And like, she just like looks super off. Like she just looks really off after initially seeing her. And I feel like that happens several times with different characters as they go throughout that I kind of noticed, which I thought was cool. Like they're kind of using the way that the character looks as to portray kind of what's going on with them in the story. And I don't know if that was, like, super deep with a lot of the other characters, but I just remember that one specifically jumped out to me at the very beginning with Gamora. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, okay. She, like, you can tell it's kind of night and day with how she looks mm-hmm. um, and is portraying herself as she's, like, hunting rocket.
1: <laughs> yeah, she definitely hit her um, emotional phase. She's like, I'm in my goth phase. Don't she's disturb me. She's an bounty hunter now. She's going exactly. to kill you.
0: So we liked the... Zeus and all the other Olympians a lot what did we think of the two issue heist of the two Guardians teams versing each other (sighs)
2: so stressful
1: (laughs) I just I love so much so much the like the versatility of comic book universes because I love love the knowledge that you know Characters like Moon Knight are doing their shit on Earth while somewhere miles and miles and miles away there's a literal floating beaver head going around doing capitalism stuff. That's, (laughs) like, it's absolutely my favorite thing about comics. It's so wild. And the Guardians against each other, it's it's such a a cliche to see, like, heroes, like, oh, the heroes are going to fight each other now. But this one actually felt legit because it wasn't because of laws or because there was some event that told them they had to. It's like, we're fighting each other because we're mad with each other. And we're not putting innocent lives in danger either. We're not destroying New York to fight each other. It's like, this is personal. We're going to handle it our way. And it ends in a very, very Guardian's way. And I thought that was very, very unique. So
2: It fully had me in a chokehold. I was like, are they really about to pop freaking rocket in the back of the head right now? Like this evil rabbit. Is coming for the raccoon, and I don't know what is going on. I was like, I swear, I swear, I was so close texting Dallas and be like, if this issue kills Rocket the raccoon, I am not interested. I lose to Peter. I'm gonna lose Rocket. Everybody's next. Everybody's next. And Drax has a kid that I didn't know about. Like, what in the hell? Everything's, everything's out there wild. Shenanigans. But. And it was, it was quite funny. And then also when Groot was the tree that the rabbit was sitting in and was like, you stupid ass rabbit, like I could have got you the whole time and you're just, we're just chilling. It's great. Ugh. Oh, I don't even know. I don't even know what else to say other than it just, it just took me completely off guard. But it was, I also feel like it was so funnily, funnily, funny, done. I don't even know. It was it was a good one. Very stressful, but very much had my attention the entire time.
0: It also so I've been working on a short story right now where I really want the effect of oh duh when you like read the reveal at the end. And I've realized how hard that is. How hard it is to write something that is subtle enough until the reveal at the end that then becomes crystal clear. And to see, I feel like this heist was set up that way, where once you realize the Guardians weren't actually against each other and like mm-hmm. they had let Rocket in on it and they were using this as a way to deconstruct this capitalist scheme. It was like, duh, and that rules. It rules so hard. They they like double-crossed me, the reader. And it was, it was a fun feeling. I feel like so much of this run was them catching me off guard as a longtime guardians reader even not even just a longtime comics reader they somehow made something that was so true to what these characters are and yet mm-hmm. consistently surprising every issue
2: that makes me feel better cuz i feel like 75% of the time i was like wait what what happened what's going on <laughs> i got to go back <laughs> did i miss something so that oh. makes me feel better yeah
1: I kind of wish I felt the same way about the arc that happens later, the like the who done it in the um Galactic Council, where they're just trying to figure out who the murder is, and in the end of the day it's definitely the obvious subs the obvious suspects. It's like that was so that had the potential to be really fun. And I think for the most part it was, but it could have been better.
0: Lex, you said you really liked that issue. So I what, did. What did you but, like it?
1: Um I mean, I'm just
2: a sucker for like crime and like solving crime i feel like that's why i love right. far sector so much honorable mention to that wonderful book um so like i i mean obviously like i love following that brain mentality of like the detective solving the solving the case and having rocket in a fedora was just the best thing that could have ever happened and i mean we were introduced to a few characters that i have absolutely no idea who they are and i'm sure there was backward knowledge with those characters. That probably aided in the stuff in the story. But um I just thought it was really fun. I thought it was kind of interesting. Like it was kind of like a sneaky issue that I don't know like it made sense, but it was a little bit strange for what was going on. But um I still liked it. I still like it. But I feel like that's just because I do like crime and like detective work type stuff yeah. though.
1: Yeah. And just because I didn't not like it, I did like it. Oh I just yeah, not- yeah. This
0: run seemed to be made up of a lot of little short stories. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, a lot of people said this book was canceled. As far as I know, Al Ewing just told the story he wanted to tell mm-hmm. and left. Like, it just wasn't an extended run. Is that correct?
1: I I do not know. I could not tell you. Oh, like they're mm-hmm.
2: saying that it just, like, ended?
0: Yeah, that basically, like, it would have kept going, but oh. Marvel cut it off. But I it. Like it. It didn't feel good. that way to me. Like it felt like it had a good pace. And obviously it had a big like comma at the end of it because that's how comics are supposed to be. But I don't know. What did you think of the pacing of this run? Do you feel like it had a rushed ending or
1: It's hard because I'm used to comic arcs lasting, you know, five to six issues, um, feeling long and drawn out. And in a lot of ways, there's some arcs here that I do wish we had gotten more time. Um, I think the arc with them fighting the Olympians at the very beginning is a lot of fun, but it does feel very, very sudden to see Peter Quill killed off after two issues. Um, there's, I think it works in their benefit when you have, what were there like two or three tie-ins while this run was happening to other things? Cause you had the cutaway to the, um, the King in Black stuff. You had the cutaway to the, um, the last annihilation or That was it, right? There's so many Annihilations?
0: There, Yeah, it was last Annihilation. Okay.
1: And then there's even references at the beginning of this run to a different Annihilation that had just happened. And I'm like, there's a lot going on here, and there's a part of me that's like, I really wish we could keep focus on this team in the here and now. And I, it was especially hitting me today as I was just binging the whole thing where I'm like, this feels very... They did a good job with the tie-ins, but it also feels like this wanted to be something else that the tie-ins just wouldn't let it be. But I could be, you know, I'm probably just playing devil's advocate.
2: Well, no, because I mean, like, as someone who's never read, like, anything involved with this, I definitely feel like I kind of missed stuff. And, like, I don't even know, like, I don't even know what, like, the Annihilations or anything like that is. So I don't know, like, where that ties in or, like, how that affects the story, really. So, like, I kind of felt like I didn't really know what was going on. Like, of course I got, like majority of it you know but i definitely feel like there was stuff that kind of was missing for me personally Mm -hmm.
0: do you feel like those missing bits took away from the entire overall experience or do you feel like you still walked away happy at the end of this book
2: no i still walked away happy but i feel like i had to like there were a few times that i had to go back a few pages and be like did i miss something like did i miss something or like even like look back at the last issue and i was like was i really paying attention to what i was reading and yeah But I feel like at the end of the day, I was like, I was happy with what I I got, but I would like to know. I would like to know about the other stuff. You know, maybe that was the point. Maybe it's going to go make me read those things.
0: And so this run very much had like its first 12 issues, right, that kind of told this Olympian story. And then they had the last six where Dr. Doom joins the team and the Guardians. Uh, they say in the run, they go from being sort of like these, this ragtag, like pirate crew that saves the day Mm -hmm. and they become a superhero team by the end. What did we think of that last six issue bunch? Because that's probably what got the most fanfare when it was coming out. And I think that's the little six issues that people think of when they think of this run.
1: Uh, It's, it's weird for me. because That's the, the moment where the team becomes a team that I love more than life itself. I think that lineup is just like, that was the most beautiful thing happening in comics at the time. And by the way, did the math that lineup had as many queer characters in it as the entire justice league queer proposed lineup did for DC. And I thought that was wild, absolutely wild to me. (laughs) And I'm just like this, this team exists and to see it canceled so soon after was so disheartening. Um, it's, But I will say I think those six issues are the least effective for me in terms of storytelling. And I think that's just because that's when I really wanted them to like to buckle down and actually show us some really great, really great stuff. But most of the action, that final part happens in different books. Um, It feels like um, more could have been done with these characters. You have so many characters and I feel like not all of them got the time to shine that they should have had which is when you get more and more characters, you're always going to have that problem. But it does make the fact that it's only six issues feel even more bittersweet than it already was. So I'm very, very torn and conflicted on that end of the run.
0: I can definitely see that. I think that I was reading with some more rose colored glasses because I, I did read all the last annihilation Mm tie-ins. And so like, I still had the story in my head while just hitting the major beats here at the end of this, but I just, maybe I'm just that much of a sucker for Dr. Doom and Al Ewing writes an excellent Dr. Doom, (laughs) but like Dr. Doom getting thrown in rocket raccoons. Body is one of the top 10 moments of comics. But then as well at the end, when he reveals that this whole thing was orchestrated by him to get a bunch of Dormammu magic, I was like, brilliant. That is doom, baby. That's Mm -hmm. motherfucking doom. (laughs) Oh, it felt amazing.
2: Absolute criminal. Criminal. Oh,
0: start a whole Annihilation just so you can get a bunch of spare magic.
1: Start a whole ass Annihilation just so you can go start a whole ass Reckoning War just so you can
2: I don't know. It's just a day in the doom.
0: <laughs> I'm so curious about that because that hasn't come up in Reckoning War yet. Like I've been reading really? Reckoning War and his magic has not come up yet. So
1: Okay, curious, because I 100% took him saying there'll be a Reckoning as, like, the not-so-subtle foreshadowing of that event. But
0: Yeah, I also, reading this now that I'm in the middle of the Reckoning War, I was like, you are certainly not the main character of the Reckoning War, my friend.
2: <sighs> Wait, what's the Reckoning War?
0: Um, The Fantastic Four right now are fighting this old race... From the beginning of the universe, that is very powerful. Is basically what it is. Uh,
1: okay, okay.
0: I wish it was more. I'm, I've been a little <laughs> bit like, eh, on Reckoning War, but
1: sounds like Infinity Part Two, Electric Boogaloo.
0: A little bit. It's definitely like it's not one I'm going to remember.
1: Tragic, tragic, disappointing
0: do you have a favorite member from the new guardians team at the end
2: i was gonna say dr doom and rocket's body but i don't know if that counts (laughs) that's the that's just the best character in comics
1: ever criminal
2: literally that that combination is the scariest thing that's ever happened can you imagine having that running around the universe
1: i need him in a little hood
2: and a little <laughs> his own little dr doom outfit exactly
0: <laughs> i did love when doom used hulkling's powers to make a mask for himself anyway
1: That's, that was cool <laughs> yeah.
2: i just think that doom is the campiest character that i can't ever take him seriously i can't he's so funny to me i don't think that he's real
0: how offended he got when they were like we noticed you've been using the stretching powers a lot and he was like doom does not need stretching powers doom only needs doom
1: yeah yeah. Like, can you imagine the biggest bad in this universe just being an insecure like billionaire who just gets so offended every time you insult his like intelligence or his ability to do anything he's he's the marvel universe's elon musk
0: don't ever say that again (laughs) I'm that was am, straight am to wrong? jail with you, you Anne. crossed the, cross only the difference line. Is,
1: the only difference is Doom's technology works. <sighs> Doom is, Doom is don't so buy a capable.
0: Anybody. Doom is so capable. Not only is he as talented as <laughs> Iron Man and Reed Richards with technology, but he's a Sorcerer Supreme. Uh, he's not the Sorcerer Supreme, but he is a Sorcerer on the scale of Doctor Strange. Take so if you mm. took Doctor Strange and Iron Man and combined them and were like, what if he was camp and evil
1: <laughs> camp
0: brilliant
1: brilliant. You know I'm just going to call you Noah from out now on because you're dick riding pretty hard exactly. <laughs> oh funny uh, I love Richard Rider whoever came up with that name genius incredible person
0: Gamora 1000% calls him dick rider
1: 1000 a, a thousand and ten percent affectionately
0: Gamora's the only person in a throuple that is also a little homophobic <laughs> She's actively in a polycule like
2: I don't know how to "Mm, Are
0: you guys sure you like each other? And they're like, yes, we are You're in a relationship, there's three of us We're literally (laughs) all dating each other (laughs) (laughs)
2: Funny,
3: funny funny, I
0: loved Richard Ryder in this Mm -hmm. run I thought he was so fun (laughs) Lex, this was your first introduction to Nova What did you think of that guy? Yeah! Yeah, I forgot about
2: him. Oh, I feel like I kind of fell in love with him during his little therapy sessions. Like, mm-hmm. what, a, what a sweet little man. Just leave him alone. So I give him the help he needs. <laughs>
0: some context for Alexis and for any of our listeners that have not read the original Annihilation. Be- the second best Marvel event ever, probably. Like, I. I don't even think that's like a crazy opinion to have. Like, Secret Wars is the best and Annihilation is probably the second best. And it's because they had nothing going on in space for a very long time. And so these writers, Lex, they came in and they were like, can we do a bunch of crazy shit in space? And Marvel was like, I guess. And so they took this guy, Richard Ryder, who was a part of the Nova Corps, which were kind of just knockoff Green Lanterns. And they at the beginning of the story, they killed all the other novas in like this huge, like planet destroying event. And he was like one of the newest novas. And so he had to take on all of the Nova force and lead the war against the annihilation wave, which was these insect people that literally just like stripped planets bare, like a horde of locusts. And he, he helped assemble like the first proto guardians, basically. Mm-hmm. To, to overcome that and there's like it's insane at the end he like rips the head and guts off of the insect leader Annihilus it's the craziest thing ever and so he's got some pretty mad PTSD from like he constantly has to go to space war and so it was really fun to see him sort through those emotions mm-hmm. in this run So it's mm-hmm. like I have some gnarly PTSD yeah. responsibility issues because I've literally had the fate of the galaxy put on my specific shoulders more times than I can count in a way that the rest of the guardians have not. And I need to work through that.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it's such a big thing. Cause when that happened to him, he was just a kid. Cause before that Richard as Nova was just a character who was known for like the, um, Ooh, what were they? The new warriors, which was basically like this, this teenage group. Um, if you remember justice from uh, when we read Avengers Academy earlier in the year, he was teammates with him when they were kids And just to all of a sudden have to have that experience where it's like, okay, you're growing up now because you now have the weight of the universe on your shoulders. That is so, so much. And it's, there's a reason why he's such a fan favorite character.
0: When the Guardians all came together to make the big gun to shoot Dormammu. Yeah. It ruled so hard. Mm -hmm. Also, the Dormammu reveal put me on my ass the first time I read it. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, ego became an egg. And then became Dormammu?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Man. that's true.
0: That's and then true. when Dormammu came out with a body underneath the planet head, I was like, this is the craziest book I've ever read.
2: That's true, that's true. I and literally Richard went, Ryder... <gasps> I know him! I know him! <laughs>
0: <laughs> Richard Ryder's like, I gotta go punch him in the face. I was like, Perfect. we've talked about this in Therapy, King. Great. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you don't have to do it alone. <laughs>
0: I, I love that they all like dismissed Rocket for like, what if we just made a giant gun and shot him? And they were like, <laughs> Rocket, that can't be our solution every time. And then it was the solution.
1: It's always the solution. Perfect. whipped. The simplest solution is always the best one. Rocket understands this very yeah. well. Mm-hmm.
0: Rocket's razor.
1: <laughs> funny, very funny.
0: Uh, All right. Do we we got quite a few listener I was questions. Say. At time. Do we want to kind of move into that section and meander through those?
1: Uh, yes. Absolutely.
0: All right, so the first question, you can always tell when I'm scrolling on my phone because I start to talk really slow.
2: Um. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Can, question, can you hear Junie, like, absolutely crying in the background? No. I she, cannot. like, got herself stuck up on the couch, and she, like, won't jump down because her toes hurt. So
1: I'm going to go rescue her really fast. <laughs> go, go rescue?
0: So, Anne, you've read Original Annihilation, right? Yes. Do you feel like this was a good emotional sequel to Annihilation?
1: Oh, for Richard, yes. Very, very much so.
0: What did you think of the therapy issues? Because I've never read Heroes in Crisis, personally. But I know the other major, let's send all the heroes to therapy, is much maligned by the majority of comics fans. Do you think Al Ewing did a better job with Richard Ryder?
1: Um, I... I think he did because I think we actually got to see a dialogue happen instead of just the character just like, okay, I'm going to spill my guts. I don't know what this means. But instead, I liked actually seeing that back and forth of them exploring those emotions instead of just like one or two vague lines out there of like, well, I did this at one time as a kid. Wasn't that really crazy? Wow, a lot of stress. And I think that's one of the reasons why Heroes in Crisis falls a little flat sometimes is because it shows you the trauma these heroes go through, but it doesn't show you so much them dealing with that trauma. I think. Yeah. I think
0: that's a really astute observation because as much fun as the therapy issue is the remainder of the run continues to be.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Because therapy isn't a one-time event, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Emotional
0: healing isn't a one-time event. And you listener, if you feel like you'd like to explore therapy that is a really admirable goal it's something that like i have found a lot of strength in in my life something i want to get back into just because externalizing these issues helping walk through them with someone who cares about you but has the tools to help you is so important and so it was really cool to see richard Ryder realize that his therapy was a process and the book treat it as a real thing that he had to continue to check in on and slowly get better at brilliant
1: yeah and it's so so nice (laughs) because the thanos imperative was one of those books where it's like that was one of the first marvel books i ever read and it was one that took years to pay off in any sort of way because it happened in 2008 and i don't think the guardians returned to comics until 2012 2013 and then um basically the way bend has handled it was peter's back and they're just like We're going to talk about what happened? Nope. We're just going to pretend like it didn't happen at all. And in fact, it's like nothing, nothing affects him at all. And it was absolutely crazy to me that that was how they handled that. And then when Richard comes back, it's basically the same way. And it's so nice to get more than 10 years later, actual emotional closure for things that happened in that event. Like when the line that always sticks to me is Gamora. I think it was Gamora saying like, you never really came back. It was either Gamora or Peter saying, you never really came back. Did you? And yeah, it's just, I think that those moments with Richard really make this run for me.
0: So saying that Thanos imperative is one of your first Marvel comics. So it was one of your first good comics that you read. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Instead of the distinguished competition books that are kind of, yeah. Yeah. Okay, perfect. That makes sense. Um, someone who agrees with the thing I just said, Glenn Machette writes <laughs> Hi love Guardians. You. Glenn, we do love you. He says, hi Guardians. Did you read the heist mini starring Rocket that Ewing wrote? Would recommend. Anyone read that?
1: <sighs> haven't had the chance.
0: Glenn <laughs> likes to put us on blast.
1: Glenn does. Glenn's smarter
2: than all of us
0: what hopes do we have for the movie guardians of the galaxy volume three
1: that's that's hard because my hope is always space lesbians but um disney so <laughs> we'll, so we're not I just, getting
2: space lesbians anytime yeah, soon
1: i think my <clears throat> thinking like one of my biggest disappointments with guardians 2 was just the fact they kept that team exactly the same and i I'm like, some of my favorite Guardians are not the movie Guardians, so I want to see that team expand a little bit. I want to see this team actually explode and see more people from this side of the universe. I think that's 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 the most fun for me, because the DNA run did that, um, the Kate's run did that, this run did that, and I like it when the galaxy feels like it's a place that all these people represent.
0: Uh, hey, Lexi, will you pass one of those Oreos over here?
2: No. <laughs> Put me on blast
1: for eating Oreos. <laughs> that laugh that was evil.
0: <laughs> She's been a villainous little sister her whole life. I am. Um I know Adam Warlock is in volume three, and I really like Adam Warlock. Mm-hmm. And I really like when Adam Warlock is very trippy. And so I I don't know. I think that James Gunn going over to DC and doing Suicide Squad and Peacemaker really demonstrated that his greatest strength with these characters is making you care about the random weirdos in a way that you wouldn't otherwise by giving them emotional cores, giving them deep interpersonal relationships. And I think in reality that's why I I cite the Guardians of the Galaxy movies as my favorite MCU movies. Guardians Three and Thor Eleven Thunder are probably the two Marvel movies I'm looking forward to, period. Like, the rest of them, like, I'll go see them, but, like, eh, Mm -hmm. not moving the meter for me. But those two are ones that I genuinely care about because I believe in the writers and directors to give me emotional hits with those. And so I want to see it get a little more trippy and weird and out there because the Guardians are good at that. And I think James Gunn can be pretty good at that. And I'm excited because it's the finale of those characters in the MCU. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to really get some good emotional cut punches, right? Because again, I think James Gunn is very talented at that.
2: You know, if they're gonna introduce the Olympians, they might as well just stick Hercules in there.
0: I, if they introduce Hercules in Love and Thunder, and then he gets to be a part of the Guardians, I will know inner peace. <laughs> yep,
1: yeah, that would that would rule. Oh, I'm just um, I'm on that, that ship right now. Where it's like I just hope that when gore shows up on olympus that hercules is spared because i'm like is he important enough that feige would actually let him continue on or is he definitely expendable because i feel like he might be expendable
0: don't say that about my himbo
1: i'm scared (laughs) scared.
0: he's the only action figure i own the only one is hercules that is true um i'm also excited for the soundtrack the guardian soundtracks always whip very hard they
1: slap i'm yeah. excited about that if you ever want some good soundtracks check out james gunn's spotify playlist those are great Guy's got good music taste mm-hmm.
0: um and then which guardian are you most like should we do which guardian we think we the other ones other. of us yeah, yeah. oh shoot so who do we think alexis is most like
2: criminal <laughs>
0: um rocket. you are like rocket you have big raccoon energy Little, you got little raccoon hands. I don't hands. know how
2: I feel about that.
0: You got little <laughs> raccoon hands that are meant for stealing.
2: <laughs> I was. Kind of, I am kind of a kleptomaniac.
0: You are a little thief. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Gamora, because I think you put out a pricklier exterior than you have. I yeah. think you're kind yeah, of right. like one of those ice cream bars that has, like, the candy chocolate outside. that It cracks and it's just gooey under it. But you got all these spikes.
1: That's true. That's true. That's a good one. Oh. Yeah, I like that one.
0: <laughs> Who do we think Anne is like?
1: Hmm. I think you're a
0: lot like Phyla Vale. Yeah, honestly. that's what I was gonna say. You're just I could see you with a sword being a badass. Mm-hmm. And years. I think I think you're someone that has a like a desire for moral and social justice in a way that she does like she wants Phyla to figure her shit out for the two of them but also you're someone that has the patience to let people get there like I think one of your big talents Anne is not writing anybody out you give everybody the opportunity to be the kind of person you expect them to be and I that's something that I saw in Phyla Veil in this run that I thought was so cool
2: 100% couldn't have put it better myself
1: I'm gonna need a moment to emotionally (laughs) recover when we figure out who Dallas is
0: Also the nice thing I would say about Gamora to Alexis is you are a natural born leader that lets other people feel like they're in charge. Like you are so good at being the actual core of whatever group you're in, but you don't need to be the main character. You don't have to be the star Lord or the Nova, but you are the person that makes sure the whole team is all together and functioning. Well, you can see it happening in this podcast. You see it happening in our family. You see it happening with your friends. Like, you are the greatest co-pilot in the galaxy that is actually, secretly the pilot. So.
2: Ooh. Here I was going to call you Dr. Doom.
0: I am Dr. Doom. <laughs> I'm the most camped That's... motherfucker around. Hey, you're
1: criminal. We we can't say anything serious or emotional <laughs> for Dallas because it's just we have we to get rid
0: <laughs> Put you both in a coma. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true. I don't... I I feel mm-hmm. like I think there's a lot of Star Lord in you. Mm-hmm. I I really really do. I think there's
0: I think there's a little bit of Chris Pratt in all of us, you know. <laughs> I think at any moment Chris Pratt could play you in the biopic about you, <laughs> listener. <sighs> I
1: I don't know. You have his same energy, and there's also like this desire in you to be better every day that passes than you were the day that just happened. You know, you always try to be a better person and to understand other people. And you're definitely like this. <laughs> you're like this ball of energy that people can easily look to and aspire to be like, because that's just, that's the effect you have. You're, you're always someone I enjoy talking to because I know you're going to actually listen to my problems and give me constructive and thoughtful feedback. You're, you're a really good person to to follow
0: thank you
2: yes you're the very good you're the very good leader that i put in charge to let everybody think that you're in charge exactly <laughs>
0: yeah. i think i'm also like star lord because i got really really in shape for my first outing when i met my wife and ever since i've been like you know if he just committed to it for like three weeks <laughs> he'd be right there <laughs> i think that's what star lord has become since then it's like if he did use that bowflex, it'd be pretty bananas but he only I, did it to get the job.
2: That flex quote is my parents' favorite piece of media that has ever come from the MCU. And they talk about it all the time. They think it's so funny. And I'm they, like, we don't even know what that is.
0: Our parents love the Guardians of the Galaxy. Love
2: that movie. Like, religiously love that movie. My
0: dad references it all the time. Anytime I recommend something to him, he's like, well, you know, I thought you were crazy for taking me to that raccoon show. But uh, I love Rocket and Cruise. <laughs> I love
2: that raccoon.
1: I love, I love that, that raccoon ra- with guns. That raccoon
0: in that tree? Amazing. I can (laughs) barely believe it.
1: I could tell you the stress I felt going that opening weekend of Guardians because i had been a Guardians fan for like two years. I'm like, I hope people love this this stupid raccoon. I know they're going to love the stupid raccoon. I hope they they need to love the stupid raccoon. And they actually did love the stupid raccoon. And I was on such a high for weeks after that. It was beautiful.
2: Dallas, do you remember taking AJ and I to that with you for the first time and then seeing Howard the Duck? Mm
1: Mm-hmm. I I thought we were going to
2: die on the drive home because of how excited this man was about Howard the Duck. He was not paying attention to the road at all. (laughs) we all over the damn place.
0: That was the first time I had been into comics long enough to get the post-credit stinger and feel like Mm -hmm. I was the only person in on the joke. And I wasn't cynical enough yet to be like, oh, great. They're setting up the next movie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the post-credit stinger wasn't a trailer for the next thing yet in my brain. And so I was like, it was right in my sweet spot where, like, the MCU had me by the throat.
2: When you were 17.
0: (sighs) When you're 17 and the MCU tells you they love you, you got to believe them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And now now you're in your your mid to late 20s and you're like, oh, Clea Strange. Okay.
0: Exactly. I saw Clea and I was like, (laughs) oh, word, Clea. And then I just walked out.
1: But to to be fair, I think that was one of the worst executed post credit scenes I've seen in my entire life. It was
0: brutal. Okay, (laughs) slight derail. Multiverse of Madness was (laughs) two-thirds great. It was two-thirds great, and then a third of it was just a commercial for Mm -hmm. what else was going on. And I was so mad about the commercial part that I didn't like the good parts better. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, Mm -hmm. Cause yeah, I do think that Sam Raimi did a good job, but a third of Sam Raimi's fucking movie was like, Did you know that we're gonna do Reed Richards soon and then we're gonna do Clea Strange soon? And did you notice Black Bolt, the Inhumans were actually very cool there for a minute? And uh I swear if you sign up for the next six years of Marvel movies, you'll get a real one eventually. I just my my head like vibrated apart in the movie. Like I emotionally done. <laughs>
2: Oh gosh! I remember Carson and I literally looked at each other at the after credit scene. We're like, "Who's that? Who the hell is this purple <gasps> woman?" Who? Who? Oh,
1: who? Lexi, we gotta. You gotta. Read oh, I know straight. who the
2: purple woman is now. But yeah,
1: but she's in a series right now that's just wonderful. Oh, Strange okay. is so okay. good. Hmm.
0: I've only ever read Jason Aaron's Doctor Strange, and I'm not giving anyone else a chance.
1: Oh please! I she's... read.
0: One, I read one good run. And that's enough
1: imagine it's it's like if Electra was the Sorcerer Supreme
0: that sounds great yeah I don't support women
1: fuck what did you just say what did did he say (laughs) (laughs) he's channeling his inner Star Lord he's slightly misogynist slightly
0: just five (laughs) percent
1: getting better though
0: (laughs) I hope to get down to a two percent by the time I die
1: Addie's out there like nails digging into her thighs. Right? Yeah, she's <laughs> just it
2: ripping is. apart his comic books in the living room.
0: Frankly, <laughs> that girl brought me down from 70%. So she's done what? the worst work. She has done the Any, really anything, has. That, anything you look at Dallas Taylor and you're like, wow, what a great progressive guy. As hard as that is to see sometimes that is <laughs> that is Addie Black's work. I was. Yeah,
1: it's true. God, I'm going to send her like it. I'm going to send her a trophy. She needs to he, she needs her work commemorated.
0: she does. She saved me from a red hat for sure.
1: <laughs> yes
0: put that put that on her tombstone. I'm just being honest. Hey, I'm just being honest.
2: It's true I I,
0: I I dodged that version of Dallas very effectively.
2: I will say we're about an hour into this episode so there's no chance that our family will ever make it this far. but I went over there the other day and as much as I love my father, this man. Had the most to say about this month, and I said, "You will shut your mouth." Even my own mother was like, "Adam, Adam, keep it to yourself. Why are you saying those things?" I was like,
0: it's "Great, it's great. Oof, uh, eh. and, and there I was thinking Fine. that I had had some breakthroughs in June when I was there last week.
2: No, no. He just let, he just tips over and lets it fall out the other ear after you leave. He let's yeah, it just... trickle out. Yeah.
0: I want to do the parental looks on Fox News, Fox News thing to them because I really, what I really dad would like literally guy, just buy a new TV. He probably would. He probably, I could see our dad doing that. Just Yeah.
2: If, if suddenly Fox didn't work on his TV, he would go buy a new one. That's where it's at with that one.
0: That's what we're up against, folks.
2: That and Bush people. If Bush people went away, the man would become
1: a Bush man.
0: I don't even know what bush people is. I don't, don't think, I, don't think I want to know.
1: Don't look it up. I thought you were just talked about George W. Bush. I did
0: too at first. And then I was like, wait, no, this is probably no, a hunting it's people that
2: live show. in the bush of Alaska and just don't have any normal life at all. And they're terrifying. It's what my dad wants us all to become. <laughs> we're just suddenly all going to be kidnapped and end up end up in the wilderness of Alaska. We're all going to Oof. die.
0: Oofa. <laughs> All right, let's move on away from <laughs> Taylor Therapy Hour. Does someone want to read Jamie Garner's email to us?
1: Yeah. There are, um, two, there
0: are two screenshots because she sent us four questions.
1: Awesome. I would happily read Jamie's questions. Hey, Comics Collective! Happy Pride Month and Happy Guardians of the Galaxy Week! I'm so happy you're covering this awesome book as it's my favorite run of Guardians of the Galaxy since the Abnet and Landing One. So, questions. One, the Guardians have seen a lot of different members come and go over the years. Even Iron Man was on the team at one point. The less said, the better. Who would be your Guardians' dream team? Limit five members.
2: Ooh. That's hard. <sighs>
1: Dr.
0: Doom. And the Fantastic Four.
3: Shut up! Surprise, it's a Fantastic
0: Four comic. Just kidding, I love the Guardians. Mm -hmm. Reading this again this week really made me miss them a lot, because I love the Guardians. I'm such a basic bitch. I love the MCU team, but then I would love to add Cosmo, and I would love to add... add, Yeah, the dog. The talking dog.
2: (laughs) Saying? i didn't even know that was really an option oh and, my good old man
0: and i would love to add Starbrand. would be a lot of fun mm-hmm. adam warlock would be a lot of fun and one of the eternals would be dope like oh, okay. i like, like druig to the team that would be fun
2: i still have i think the that guardians movie. need a
0: villain Don't watch the movie. It wasn't good. But read Kieran Gillen's comics that are in our comiXology. We just talked to Kieran Gillen. I know. And he wrote the raddest Eternals comics ever. They were so good.
2: Go off. Love it.
0: I do. do. That's all I do on this podcast.
2: This podcast is Dallas going off.
0: I go off for two hours a week (laughs) with my two besties. That's what this is.
2: That's a very (laughs) good way to put that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Right, there you I, go. that's my team. A limit of five makes it hard because I love I love space teams that are huge. When we get to read Legion um, Mark Wade's Legion of superheroes in a couple months, you're gonna see that. look, if you liked this run, you're gonna love Mark Wade's Legion. It's this run, but with more teenage rebellion vibes.
0: I do not support DC comics. or <laughs> Anne's joy. so.
1: Mm-hmm. so it's a double whammy on this No matter point, how much i
0: like legion she'll never know
1: oh, i Gosh. cannot i cannot wait i'm pretty sure wait when are we doing legion that's the the when is very important to this one because <laughs> if it's close to like the end of august you're gonna have to be very nice to me that's the everyone has Stro- to be, nice to me era. be
2: best behavior yeah
1: no it's september i'm gonna be recovering then so <sighs> you've got to be nice to me <laughs> If you tell me anything negative, I will not handle it and I will cry. <laughs> Tears. I'll tell you
0: I'll tell you your boobs look great and Legion is dumb.
1: <laughs> oh. That's
2: funny and terrible at the same time. <laughs> Happy
0: Pride.
1: <laughs> ah. Pride. I just <laughs> that's when I cry and say they're still fake though and then I just leave the chat
0: I'm like the Legion is fake you're right The stupid team
1: anyways you have to keep someone that makes it feel like the Guardians I want Star-Lord I want Phyla I want Cosmo because I'm greedy and I want that fucking dog Um, and I'm also going to say he's I want Adam Warlock because I think he makes things funny not fun, not funny. He makes things cool. Adam Warlock is cool. And I'm gonna take Sarah and um from Angela. So Red. Red. are
0: you so excited for comic book couples counseling to cover Sarah and Angela next so, this coming three weeks? So happy. <laughs> when they announced could... that was the team, I was like, oh, Anne's gonna love that.
2: <laughs> oh, hey. So ready. Love it. All right. My superhero team, my Guardians. Um, I would definitely say Star-Lord for sure because he just is the Guardians. Um, same with Gamora. I feel like those two are non-disputable. Um, definitely Cosmo because that was originally in my head first and y'all just stole it. Um, Rocket because I think he's hilarious. And Groot because – but specifically the tiny Groot that's in the pot, not the one that has legs. Um, because he just is a really cute little dash accessory, very fun. And then I do have to honorably say that the person that they cast for Adam Warlock in the MCU makes me want to commit crimes, because that man has the most punchable face I've ever seen. And I hate his actor. The end.
1: <laughs> the end. I keep repeating they've cast him. Who? Oh my god. Ah, yeah, I know. It's the you guys are getting paid, kid. Yeah. No way. He's the kid that's the villain in every show ever. I'll, although I gotta say that casting was on point in that original one. because He definitely looks like a mini Cedricus. Mm-hmm. I, c- I can he's see a, it. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good actor.
2: He just has a horrible
1: face that I want to punch. I it's I searched casting for Adam Warlock and the Screen Lamp lamp screen one popped up and it's the dumbest casting. Hold on. Zac Efron. Zach Efron, John Krasinski, Travis Bimmel, this is and Jamie Bell. Yep, none of the none of these guys. It wasn't any of them. None.
2: They need to keep Zach Efron away from the MCU with a 75 foot pole.
0: When Timothy Chalamet plays the thing, then we'll see. <laughs> and you'll <all>
1: see. <laughs> you know what someone pitched to me um this week that I thought was really, really great? Um, the guy that plays um Roy Kent and um, Ted Lasso, Brett Goldstein, someone, mm-hmm. someone pitched him as the thing. And I'm like, hold up. That's actually fucking brilliant.
0: Is he Jewish though?
1: I don't know. I could that's check. A question. Give me, give me just a question. Seth Rogen,
0: Seth Rogen as no. the thing is, that's my agenda. Seth Rogen as the thing.
1: Seth Rogen oh. just
2: needs to chill and continue his pottery work. He's doing great things with that. And I think yes. that's all he's good for at this point.
0: Wikipedia. He's, oh, he make, He's the best producer on TV stuff. Every TV show he's attached to. Great.
1: Hmm. Wikipedia says he was born to a British Jewish family.
0: <gasps> all right. Then we're so, safe.
1: Yeah. Camp of approval. Roy can't. He's every fucking where. Ted Lasso is great
0: because it's just a world's finest TV show. Superman and Batman teaching a soccer team. Ted Lasso's my favorite show. The best shows ever made are In Order, Game of Thrones, Ted Lasso, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, and then Hacks has been very good, too. And then Schitt's Creek. Schitt's mm. Creek is better than Hacks.
1: Got it. I've watched two of those. And I feel I like the combined power story. of those is enough to make, me wa- make you watch Doctor Who. If not, I will go for the third one. I will... I'll k- keep collecting my infinity <laughs> stones until you finally cave. The infinity When shows. you watch
0: The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, you'll see. The guy that plays Joe Maisel should play adult Peter Parker
1: at some point.
0: He's, he's amazing. And he's very Jewish. All right. Should we read Jamie's next question? Yes,
1: absolutely. So, two. One reason I love this run is the amount of LGBTQ representation Ewing has in it. If you were to make an Avengers queer team, who would you put on it? One catch. You can't just say, I do Gillen's Young Avengers and move on. Rude. That is rude. Oh, let's, let's give just a second so I can mentally recount where all Marvel's queer characters that aren't X-Men are.
3: <laughs> um.
0: So first off, we got Hercules will be on that team.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: And then... Marvel you're you're not great at queer characters
2: that's it he's by himself
1: <laughs> um I would do America Chavez
2: mm.
1: I would do Valkyrie mm-hmm. um Monica Rambeau feels queer
0: I'm
3: throw
1: she... her on there. <laughs> if we could get her confirmed as queer that'd be great oh um can we do Carolina Dean I think Carolina what the hell is that
0: from Who's Runaways.
1: Kidding? She's the, she's Sparkly Lady. I've never read Runaways. What the? F- Dallas. Of all the things to say during Pride. <laughs> that is not very <laughs> much an ally of you. <laughs> I do You're like now. that.
0: I do like that I'm reading Spider-Man during Pride. <laughs> <laughs> i like kind of ally that I am.
1: Dallas. I'm like, yep, Pride Month. I will not read the Brian K. Vaughn book about queer people. I won't, I won't do it. I will read Spider-Man instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. S- sounds appropriate. <laughs> I'm going uh, through a list of the the queer uh, Marvel characters, and yeah, this is so hard to fucking do without Avengers.
0: Viv, <laughs> or without X Men. Viv Vision.
1: Oh yes, would mm-hmm. be a
0: good one.
2: Viv is very good.
0: Um, I would put Wiccan and Hulkling on there as well. Mm-hmm. They feel like Avengers and their mom, Scarlet Witch. I'd put her on there too. Even though she ain't queer.
1: She um, aggr- oh, She's aggressively straight. I would do um, Nadia. Um,
0: oh the wasp. yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Sorry. I'd put snowflake in safe space from that. <laughs> comic.
1: No, no, you're not allowed to mention them. Not during Pride. Stop saying cursed things.
0: Stop laughing at my cursed things. <laughs> you're as culpable as I am at this point.
1: I'm guilty by association. We're all gonna go to hell.
0: Alexis gives you mean, nervous looks as Anne cackles into the mic.
1: <laughs> do you, Lexi? Do you not know? Of course not. Oh. I know nothing. I will I'm going to send you some texts once this episode's oh over and oh I will joy. explain everything. <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: All right, do we have any other members of our team?
1: Um, what's Tony Ho doing right now? I don't know. <laughs> I don't,
3: I don't even that. know what
1: name she's going by right now cuz she was the Iron Patriot for US Avengers. But I just I don't know what she's. I haven't seen her since Ewing used her in No Surrender. I don't remember. See, I'm, I'm thinking this is very important.
0: I'd put Loki on there.
1: Loki, <laughs> Wait, yeah, that's perfect. That's a good one.
0: Loki's a good one.
1: That Loki counts. on an Avengers team is definitely pretty interesting. I am
0: incredibly excited for Loki in the Defenders sequel this summer. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you read the little short story lead into that where Loki talks about gender identity and then basically is like, I'm going to be Doctor Who of comics for the next little while and walks through a portal, but it looked
1: dope. Gosh, I didn't, but I did hear about it and it sounds great. Good shit. Okay. So next three by the End of the series, only 18 issues, I. It's heavily hinted, if not outright confirmed, that Peter, Rich, and Gamora form a thruple that gives Scott, Jean, and Old Wolvie a run for their money, and that also made my headcanon a reality, go me. My question is to you, my question to you is, who is your dream, Marvel or DC Thruple? Or if you're feeling like it, what two Marvel or DC characters would you have in your thruple?
0: It's me and Doctor Doom twice. Me, Doom, and a Doom butt.
1: Hmm. Does the mask stay on during sex? On me. Of course. Me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was so unexpected. And it was hilarious.
1: <laughs> oh! I, oh my gosh. I. Okay, look. I volun- <laughs> I volunteered to be the third of um Jessica Drew and Carol Danvers Threpple. I'll I'll do I'll take that one for the team. So I have
0: just- the biggest crush on Jessica Drew. Who
1: <laughs> <laughs> doesn't? Who doesn't?
2: Um I would have to say She Hulk, specifically from that one where we we read where she was in like that doomsday world that they all got trapped in. That one was really great. I think that was Captain Marvel. Specifically yep. that one. And then the winter soldier and me. The end. Perfect.
0: My real answer is probably Hercules, Jessica Drew, and me. We can all we can all be a little group.
1: Good. <laughs> Love us some thruples. And I hope those were satisfying answers. <laughs> for um, I am Groot. 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 Thanks, hugs and positive vibes from Florida, Jamie. Oh, well, during,
0: during Pride Month, Jamie, you're going to say all of that. <laughs> question for during Pride Month. That's... I
1: listen. I think it's it's definitely um, it challenges some things, but I think it's a bold <laughs> question to ask. And I think we do need to address it.
0: I do think a big part of art is asking hard questions. Right. Yes. and you, come forward and you yes. put forward ideas that might not be comfortable at first, but help mm. the reader work through those. And I I think it was really brave of Jamie to bring that to the pod.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Honestly, I, I, I think we can stop it right there. I think that covers just about everything else, honestly. See, but. <laughs> just sigh from Lexi. <laughs>
0: I do think uh, you lose some of your messaging by saying Groot seven times at the end of the song, but. It's
1: all
2: right.
0: That's a joke for Evan specifically.
2: <laughs> Good.
0: All right, do we want to read the next question in the list? This one is from Ed. It got cut off in the screenshot.
2: Sure, I can read it. Hey, Guardians of the Graphic Novels. Very cute. Hope you're doing well. The questions I have this week are Number one, I've always felt Cosmic Marvel was the give it to the next creative person to do what they want because Abnett and Lanning were allowed to completely refresh it without backlash. James Gunn. did it in the MCU. I feel like Ewing is doing his own thing. Would it be fair to say this is about this about cosmic Marvel? Also, if you could pull an Abnet Lanning and do whatever you want, what would you do with cosmic Marvel?
0: I'd give it to Ellie Ewing. Send tweet. (laughs) He's doing a great job.
2: That's good. I agree.
0: I think the fantastic four would be really fun in the cosmic realms for a while. And I would make our main protagonist that explores the galaxy Nova. And he kind of visits around the planets because I think something that Star Wars has really lost recently has been like the speculative biology of all these exotic planets. We just keep going to the South California desert over and over and over (laughs) and over and over and over and over again. And so I would love to use cosmic Marvel to have these like lush environments and cultures that our characters aren't going there necessarily to like fix the problems of these places or be like, or fix the universe, but to go and learn and collect and like explore these worlds in a very early Star Trek way. That'd be very fun for me.
1: I, I miss the Hickman touch on a lot of these, these places and cultures and characters. Because I think when Hickman writes Cosmic Marvel, there's a depth to just about every society. It feels very Game of Thrones in the way where you feel like things are actually happening off panel when you're not following these people. And a lot of times writers just write it like, oh, they're here now because I say they are. They what were they doing in the meantime? Um, don't really know. They just kind of existed. Like I want drama I want like Game of Thrones drama in space. That's what I think cosmic marvel could really use to bring it all together instead of just it exists and things happen there sometimes i like the motivations behind these happenings
0: how about you lex what do you want to see happening in space
1: i like
2: what i read this is a good one i don't think that i have enough like knowledge of what's happened in the past to say what i like to keep going but i like what's going on right now it's good
0: gaze in space
2: Give me space, give me space. It's more fun up there. Space, space. want to go to space. Yep. All right. Question number two. In your opinion, what does a character need to have to be a guardian of the galaxy?
1: Trauma. A rap sheet. Queerness.
0: So they need to be gay criminals with trauma. Next question.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that
2: literally is the answer. The end. All right. Number three. Richard Rider has been through a lot. Where would you take him next?
0: Into bed with Gamora and Star-Lord. Next question.
2: (laughs) Therapy, after that.
1: (laughs) I don't know if I'd take him anywhere else. I like seeing him take on a big role with the Guardians. I think that's really, really cool. It's where he belongs. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes, this is his new dumb little family.
1: Yeah, especially because the last time he came back to Earth, he tried to... Start a fight with some minorities. So yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna do that again. <laughs> Keep him in space. <laughs> Try to declare war on a country because Magneto was there.
2: Ah, okay. All right. Question number four. This run continued the tradition of taking an Earth villain like Ultron and making them fight in space with Dormammu. If you could yeet one villain into space, who would it be and why?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Magneto.
1: Already There's- there.
0: Further.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeet him into another dimension.
0: I just think he'd be fun on the guardians. Magneto! Magneto would be so fun. He could be the old man with the with the magnet powers. And he needs <laughs> some time away from his husband, Charles. I think Charles <laughs> has been he in his to brain space. too yeah. much.
1: You you know which one I just thought about that could be interesting because I want to see how this ego works in space i want to see otto octavius get blasted to the other edge of the galaxy and oh, he'd out... be
0: so good at being oh, small yeah. in well, space
1: enough. figure out how he gets back he's oh. so used to being like i'm the smartest person in the room what happens it's when he gets real, to a place pond. yeah what happens when he gets to a place that's been like mass producing his technology for millennia it's like oh. you're no longer the big brain you're that just one of many him.
0: that's a good one Anne. That's a How real that? good one.
2: That's a good one. Snaps. Snaps. <laughs> oh, what other villain? What other villains are there? None that are important.
0: <laughs> I think the Joker would do a good job in space, in Marvel cosmic, with no spacesuit. Just shoot him out there. <laughs> <Just heal> him. <laughs> shoot him out. up oh, into orbit. The end.
2: The
3: end.
1: <laughs> You know, we've never seen Venom in space before. Let's do that. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm just laughs> Spider-Man's underpants belong where they came from. Send the goo back. Send the goo back. <laughs> Keep the goo in space. I don't know. Well, hey, Carnage is going to hell. So the next logical step, if you're following, like, slasher movie franchise rules, is definitely to send him in space. So...
0: What do you think, Miss Lex? Do you have a villain you want to see out there?
2: Uh, do I even like any villains. Who's a villain? <laughs> I don't even know any villains.
0: Tony Stark. The end.
2: <laughs> He's he been there quite often, actually. He's there too much.
0: We'll let you keep thinking on that while we answer the next question.
2: Deal. Oh, I will read the next question. <laughs> Since Teddy is the prophesied king of space If he got a series with his husband Would it be called the Wiccan and the Vine God damn it That is hilarious But in all seriousness (laughs) Where would you take Teddy next
0: Too bad with his husband Yes. Next person. God.
1: I would take him to your house, Ed, and we were going to have a serious talk about these bullshit puns and how you keep making better <laughs> ones than me.
2: <laughs> that was a good one. Thank you.
1: Yeah, honestly, um, go back to the Game of Thrones idea. I want to see Wiccan and um Teddy just in the middle of Galactic Game of Thrones. Except things ain't good for them. Okay, there we go. I, I had to throw in the caveat before we get... For bad things.
0: Anne's burying her gaze. Very curious. No, I
1: said no bury gaze. <laughs> I said very much unburied. No no graves.
2: You know who I think would be a funny villain in space? I thought of it. Mr. Yes. Sinister.
1: <laughs> Just eat him up there.
0: Again, no spacesuit. shoot
1: yeah, him up there. <laughs> with a rocket. You, you shoot him up there. The man starts cloning stars. Probably. How Can you imagine
0: happen? a clone of Rocket with a little red diamond on its forehead?
2: If I thought Doctor Doom
1: uh, Rocket was bad, oh, flark me. <laughs> love
0: it. <laughs> let's yeah. do. Let's do the next Kritakan question. From uh, Maddie, we have a plain question, but an important one. Who is your favorite Guardian? Can be anyone who's been on the roster, and just from Ewing, or just from Ewing. Me personally, I am a simple man and care so much for that dirtbag raccoon. Me too.
1: The
0: pal, raccoon the best. I love Star Lord love the guy. And this was probably my favorite version of him.
1: I love I love Phila a lot. I also love Cosmo.
0: Nice. Wonderful. Who wants to read the next one? <laughs> Just me, I guess. <laughs> Good day, Comics Collective team. Thank you for your hard work. Hearts, it's only me, writer inner. I'm the only one that works hard. Hope you can ask this question for the podcast. We'll see. <laughs> did Richard Ryder love Peter Quill romantically as he did Gamora? And the same for Peter Quill to Richard Ryder? Is the thruple thing canon? Thank you so much.
1: Why'd that get exponentially louder? Did, did, did someone important. sit on your volume button?
0: It's important.
1: <laughs> um, yes. I think it's very much up to interpretation, but I think very much so, yes.
2: I think yes as well. I like the idea of the thripple.
0: I like the idea too, but I think in the same way of like the end of Die, I think it was left mm-hmm. up to interpretation on purpose because I... An interesting thing that Kieran Gillen talked about on his podcast, Decompressed, is how a lot of people don't put labels on themselves in their life in the same way that you would in like superhero fiction, where like you almost have to like etch it on the wall so no one can ignore it, you know, Mm -hmm. because like people will ignore your subtext if you don't just make it text. And so like for myself, for instance, I, I am figuring out my relationship with sexuality and gender and just like Presentation of who I am at the moment. And I don't feel comfortable with any sort of labels at this point. And so I I sort of just liked the acknowledgement of feelings without a desire to mm-hmm. place them into a bracket, you know? And so, like, the throuple is very exciting and fun, and I like that for a lot of people. It was meaningful to me as a reader to see that you can just express feelings without having to necessarily sort them right away because i feel like that's where i'm at in my life is just living my most authentic self and not trying so hard for me personally to figure out what that means you know
1: i like that i like that a lot
0: what can i say handsome and smart
1: (laughs) yeah thanks for the question
0: And we got our last question because we had a repeat from uh, Josephine also asked us who our favorite guardian is. So we answered that. But our last question is from Joe. Joe writes and says, hi, all hope you're well and happy pride month halfway through the spinning episode as of writing this and really enjoying it insightful emotional and fun as always for this week's episode a bit of a queer tangent but what are your thoughts on the young avengers i've only read this run from number 13 when wiccan and hulkling joined but i'm looking forward to checking out the rest when i get a chance i really like how ewing showed them in their new status quo that was established after empire as the gay kings of space It's been a while, but I hope we get to see more of them eventually. I know this episode is going to be another fun one, so I can't wait to hear it. All the best, Joe. What do we think of Young Um, Avengers?
1: I think they're neat. I've never been, like, a huge Young Avengers fan. I think the Gillen run is fun. I think, was it, um, did Fraction write the original run?
0: No, it was some weird name. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a good run. Heinberg. Sorry to the weird name. <laughs> hein- okay. right. Heinberg wrote the original run.
1: Yes. I thought that was also really great. It's just like, they're they're really solid characters and I'm glad they've taken off the way they have. I like that Wiccan and Hulkling still show up. I like that America's getting the attention she deserves. I like um, I like that Kate... I think Kate's probably blown up the most out of all of them. Debatably. But... It's just such a, it's not often that a group of new characters gets introduced like that and they actually stick. I don't think there's, there's maybe like two members of that original team that didn't stick.
0: I definitely think they're the youngins I care the most about. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel too old to like the champions. The X-Men exist in their own little corner. And while I really liked Avengers Academy when we read it, Again, I didn't read it at, like, the perfect moment to, like, fall in love with them. Whereas, like, the Young Avengers, I read and, like, right at the perfect moment and just fell in love with them. Like, I, I've read every Young Avengers comic. I'm a huge fan of them. I'm excited to cover them on the show eventually. They're great, great, great.
2: I'm excited to cover them on the show, too, because then I'll read them.
0: You'll like and them. And
2: I'm excited. I, I, I'm excited. I feel like it will be good. I've heard yeah. good things.
0: I mean, you like Kate Bishop. I do. And if you liked Marvel Boy flicking his exploding fingernails in this, <gasps> he, he is, is in Young Avengers. Avengers. Oh, well. Doesn't we he know. date Kate in that? I, he and Kate are boyfriend and girlfriend, right?
1: I don't remember.
0: I'm like 60% sure. Hmm.
1: That they date. It what? wouldn't surprise me. The only thing I remember about that run is America constantly going to Kate and being like you come out as bi yet? Just like question mark. Yes. And Kate's like, no, no, I haven't. Why? And she's like, you will. And then just like slowly <laughs> slinks away. <laughs>
0: it's <true. I> feel- <laughs> Rip. Rip. I feel that. Well, do we have any final thoughts about the Guardians of the Galaxy here at the end of our episode?
1: Um, They're a very fun little ramshackle group of pirates from space. They're amazing. There's so much potential there with them. I'm glad we're starting to get back to that. The G in LGBT definitely stands for guardians. Yes.
0: I do want to say here at the end, we've talked a lot about the run in general, but in the same way we talked about how great Tilly Walden is at writing someone's experience with finding out they're a lesbian. I do think that there is so much good, gay love in this comic.
3: Mm-hmm. Like
0: you see people, you see Hercules and Marvel boy being so tender and loving to each other. And you can see how different their relationship is from Hulkling and Wiccan. You see oh, how yeah. different their relationship is from uh star Lord and Nova there. There's a lot of masculine love in this comic that is really beautiful because masculine love can be so many different things. Right. My my two best friends in the world that don't that aren't on this podcast are two gay men that I feel like would love this comic because they'd see themselves in different characters they'd identify with. With this story. And so that that's exciting. It's exciting that this felt as much fun as spinning is. It's very much like, you know what you're signing up for when you read spinning so it's kind of fun to see just like this mainstream excellent comic is also just filled to the brim with gay and queer relationships. It's awesome.
1: It's it's so amazing, especially considering a comic like this wouldn't have been able to exist just like 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. And that was such a good point to bring up. Thank you for that, Dallas.
0: Yeah, Make sure to read Guardians of the Galaxy Mm -hmm. by Al Ewing.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Should we go into our final credits?
2: We shall, everybody. All right. If you like the show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective, or you can find each of us at our personal accounts at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics, and at Lexi Liu underscore comics.
0: And if you like the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or just wherever you're listening. Give us a five-star review. And if there is a written section, write us a nice note and we'll read it off on the show.
1: And finally, make sure to send your questions and or comments for the show to our email at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. And I memorized that. Finally, after almost a year, I did my job. I memorized two lines. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> love it I love it it's alright I still don't have my memorized I look at my phone every single time but um, tune in next week and we'll see you guys with our episode on Wonder Woman Earth 1 Ooh. Ooh,
1: that one's gonna be spicy we're gonna have some fun things to talk I'm about. very very excited about that one
0: and a little peek behind the curtain for all of you that listen to the show we're not gonna put this on Twitter quite yet but we're talking to Tilly Walden this week about, literally
2: going to die.
0: about her new book with Skybound, an image comic, Clementine, a Walking Dead comic. So, we, we got a preview comic of that. We're going to talk to Tilly and we will release that show a little bit closer to the release of the book.
2: So, I'm so
1: excited.
0: Listeners of the show, look I'm literally
2: going to gonna pass out. I'm so
1: excited. Yeah. And also, out today assuming i send the episode the um the stuff when i should there should be the interview with ted brandt and ro stein out as well so make sure you give that a listen we had a real fun talk with them i think you're gonna love it yeah
0: we have been very very busy people the last month um we're probably gonna scale it back a little bit (laughs) (laughs) it was a lot as much as i love you too it's been a lot Oh yeah. And so we're we're going to stick pretty firmly to just once a week releases after Tilly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah. no more no more three a weekers <sighs> oh, for us. That's
1: Darn. Completely fair. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go through. I'm going to cancel that Grant Morrison interview I had planned <laughs> that was going <laughs> to surprise you. So um Perfect. we'll 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 figure that out eventually. Good. I I don't think anyone's going to listen to that one anyway. I don't think anyone cares about them.
0: Yeah, no one, me especially.
1: <laughs> you especially.
0: Don't have anything to say to Grant. All right, Comics Collective and listeners, thank you so much. Have a good week. Bye.
1: Bye.